0: Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3 3Fuel 3 is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugar sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSEN. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. I am so excited to be speaking with my guest today. His name is Jimmy Moore. Jimmy is the host of one of the most popular podcasts on iTunes called Living La Vida Low Carb and has a book coming out called Cholesterol Clear what the HDL is wrong with my numbers so Jimmy tell me a little bit about how a normal guy like you got interested in cholesterol I'm still a normal guy I just have
1: tried to educate myself as just a consumer of information uh, Because I've been sick I've been in a bad place with my health and my weight And I'm trying to help other people I know that's what you're doing with your podcast as well um, it, It's a passion You know, when when you change your life It's kind of hard to sit on your hands and shut up about it So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> You feel like you've got to tell the whole world about it And so, you know, back in 2004 I was 410 pounds I was on three prescription medications For high cholesterol, high blood pressure breathing problems. I wore size 62 inch waist pants, 5XL shirts. I was a mess, dude, in my early 30s and was seeing myself go down a pathway that was not going to end pretty. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I was able to come out of that uh, by focusing on the right nutrients for my body, which tended to be less of those sugary, carby, uh, starchy, uh, grain-filled foods that unfortunately tends to be the American diet these days. Um, let's change that. Let's give Get people on something else and realize that real food-based, you know, lower-carb, appropriate-carb, um, you know, higher-fat diets really will make you healthy. I know it's shocking to people when you start talking that way, but that's kind of what motivates me and why I wrote the Cholesterol Clarity. I wanted to bring some clarity to a really insane uh, mode of thinking. Everybody is just worried half to death about what their cholesterol is and what that means to their heart health. And some number on a piece of paper is telling them, yes, you're healthy, no, you're not healthy healthy, and it's leading them down a pathway to medications and taking actions in their diet that just are not appropriate.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, before I started looking into this lower carb way of eating, I I really had no idea what my cholesterol numbers meant. And uh, as I started eating more higher fat, a higher fat diet, I was a little bit concerned. Is this going to clog my arteries? Right. Um, I'm sure you get that all the time. Um, I I do.
1: And we actually address that one pretty head on in the book. Um, There's actually been a lot of medical doctors that are now questioning that whole mantra of the clogged artery. That um, you know, and in the book we we have twenty-nine of the world's biggest experts on cholesterol, from PhDs to RDs to MDs, and my co-author is an MD as well, Dr. Eric Westman. You know, all of these people, along with some others that are out there, they're starting to question, you know, what's this nonsense about clogged arteries? It's never made sense, but it's an image that is so deeply culturalized in our brains. I mean, all of us believe believed if you ate fat it's going to clog your arteries because that's what we've always believed and yet we're finding some people that are finally putting their thinking caps on and saying look that just doesn't pass scientific muster there's an alternative hypothesis and we tried to present that in very clear language in cholesterol clarity
0: mm-hmm. and one of the statistics that you use in your book is that half of the people that have heart attacks actually have cholesterol levels that are below 200 and are to- considered totally normal
1: oh it's more than half it's actually three out of four that were in this one study that I quoted in the book, three out of four people that were admitted to the hospital for some kind of cardiovascular event, mostly heart attacks, they had cholesterol levels under 200. Now, whether that was a statin drug that was pushing it below 200 or they just had naturally low, it, it was it was shocking because everybody expected these people coming in under this whole cholesterol hypothesis gives you a heart attack and heart disease. You know, you would think the vast majority, even let's just say 60% of those people, but no, 75% were under under 200, meaning they were in the quote-unquote healthy range. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So if you're saying that it's not cholesterol that causes heart disease, then what is it? I know you talk about this a little bit in your book, and, yep. and I think inflammation is one of the things you point to.
1: Absolutely. And, and in fact, after ch- chapter one, we just kind of say, okay, this is what cholesterol is and why you want it in your body. Mm-hmm. And then once we kind of say, okay, cholesterol is not the... The bad guy that you think it is let's identify who that bad guy is and it indeed is inflammation in fact Aaron without inflammation it is impossible to have heart disease mm. so why don't we look at inflammation why don't we track that why don't we look for any blood markers or any kind of uh, tests that would measure for inflammation happening in the body and there's an easy test we talk about it throughout the book but uh, it's a test you can have your doctor run today it's called the HScrP it's high sensitive C-reactive protein, and it is the key inflammatory marker. There's a bunch of them in the in the body, but that's the key one that most doctors tend to run. It's just a blood test, and it will tell you whether you have inflammation going on in your body or not. And this is chronic inflammation, not that inflammation you, you scrape your knee and, and it starts to swell up. That's acute inflammation. We're talking about chronic inflammation that develops over years and years, and guess how it develops? <laughs> How's that? Gee, I wonder. It's The wrong kind of carbohydrates and stress. And vegetable oils, dun dun dun. Mm-hmm, and everybody's mm. having more healthy whole grains in their diet. They're they're drinking vegetable oil because the American Heart Association says this is a heart healthy oil for you to be using over saturated fats like coconut oil and butter and lard and these kinds of things. The reason they say that Aaron is vegetable oils do one thing to a cholesterol panel that they see as good, mm-hmm. and that is it lowers LDL-C. Okay. okay. Now, lowering LDL-C really means nothing in the context of things because LDL-C is merely a calculated number and doesn't really have meaning without context of the other numbers. And so what it's doing in the process of lowering your LDL, it's actually lowering the amount of protective cholesterol. And again, that's kind of new terminology for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They don't think about cholesterol being protective, but there's good LDL and what the vegetable oil and these statin drugs that people are taking are doing is it's removing that protective LDL, the large, fluffy kind, and it's leaving you with a highly, highly oxidized and small, dense LDL particles. And those are the ones that are penetrating the arterial wall, raising your inflammation levels and leading to a heart attack and heart
0: disease. So you're saying that just having lower LDL levels isn't necessarily going to prevent you from getting a heart attack. Why do right. doctors keep pushing the statins and telling us that we need to lower our cholesterol?
1: Well, the statin drug uh, question that you had, I'll come back to that one in a minute because that's a biggie. But mm. lower cholesterol in and of itself does nothing for you. And I I put a pretty famous example in the book. Um, we had a chapter where we talk about, you know, what do you mean my cholesterol's too low? Uh, because we always have heard our whole lives, Aaron, go lower, get lower. You know, all the Satin Drug Company commercials. That's what they say. Ask your doctor about how you can make your cholesterol go lower. And so we have this salacious tale uh, that's been told. And unfortunately, it's dead wrong. And just ask Tim Russert. He was the guy that was the host of Meet the Press uh, back in 2008. He had a heart attack in his 50s. And Aaron, it killed him. His very first heart attack in his 50s. And here's the kicker. One month before he died, he went to see his doctor. And the doctor said, you are the, picture of heart health.
0: Mm, you want to wow.
1: know why he believed that. His total cholesterol, Aaron, was 105. Mm. So by all measures that that mainstream medicine would look at cholesterol and determine whether you're heart healthy, he was one of the healthiest people on the planet based on a 105 total cholesterol.
0: Mm-hmm. But yep. what
1: they don't tell you is he had a high, high level of inflammation, so his CRP was off the charts. He had calcified plaque in his arteries to the tune of over 500 was his heart calcium score um, and that's basically a CT scan of your chest measures to see if there's any calcified plaque and ideally you want under 100 mine's zero by the way on an 85% fat diet <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it was it was sad because the the media didn't know what to do with this story. When oh. it when it happened, they were like, well, uh, his, uh, we don't want to say what his cholesterol was because that doesn't jive with <laughs> what we say about cholesterol. And it was kind of a, a great teachable moment. And I had to put it in this book to kind of hammer home because people will know Tim Russert and remember his story, but never really got the full story of, you know, what? Why did he die of a heart attack in his 50s? He was eating a low fat diet, a high healthy whole grain diet. He was exercising every day he was taking a statin drug 105 total cholesterol and yet he died of his first heart attack and the reason he died was he removed the very thing that would have saved him if he had a heart attack and that's cholesterol Mm -hmm. people see cholesterol as the enemy but cholesterol is a great healing agent in the body where there is inflammation so if you're taking a statin drug to quote unquote lower your cholesterol and you have inflammation begin to build up and you have uh, arterial plaques start to grow and the inflammation growing guess what if you don't have cholesterol there to come to save the day, like Mighty Mouse, you know, here we come to save the day. You know, if that's not there, you're in trouble. You're basically
0: a sitting duck. And that's exactly, unfortunately, what happened to the late, great Tim Russert. Yeah. So you you mentioned there that his cholesterol was so low. And you also mentioned calcium scores. Yeah. Um How do, is there anything good that we can learn from measuring our cholesterol? Or do we just need to look at our, uh, the heart scan and and our calcium scores? You know, I think there are
1: some really good measures on your cholesterol panel to pay attention to, but it's not what you've been told. What you've been told to pay attention to that matters the most is total cholesterol and getting it under 200 and LDL-C, which is your estimated LDL uh, number. And that one is supposed to be under 100. That's all we've ever heard. And in fact, that's what pretty much every doctor in America and probably around the world are basing their treatment on, um, which is why statin medications have become so ubiquitous because they do lower total in LDL, but that doesn't mean they make you healthier. Mm -hmm. So what do you pay attention to, Aaron? It's triglycerides. I interviewed 29 top experts around the world on this, and just about every one of them said, you wanna see the state of health of someone, check out their triglyceride level. Now, mainstream medicine says, get that level of triglycerides if they even mention triglycerides, but when they do mention triglycerides, they say under 150. Well, guess what? If your triglycerides are 150, you're already seeing metabolic disturbance. Okay. You ideally really, really, really want that triglyceride number to be under hundred and optimally under seventy. And you want to know how you drop your trigs really good? <laughs> uh, eat some butter again. Well, eating butter and we'll get to that one here in a second. But actually, slicing your carbs to your personal carbohydrate tolerance level. So for somebody like me, I, you know, I was four ten at one time in my life. I'm really, really sensitive to carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So I have to be careful, and I keep mine personally around 30 grams. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to go that low, but that's what I know works for me. And you know how I know when I'm eating too many carbohydrates, Aaron, is when my triglycerides start to go back up. Okay. So watch your triglycerides, get them below 70, and you've pretty much found your carbohydrate tolerance level if you keep those at 70 or below. So you mentioned fat. The best way that fat helps you is it raises another part of your cholesterol panel you should be paying attention to along with triglycerides, and that's your HDL cholesterol. And so HDL is the good cholesterol. Most people, and before I started uh, low carb, my HDL was probably in like the lower 20s, upper teens, which is not... Not good you ideally want that one over 50 at the very least and optimally over 70 so the way you do that is you eat more fat and when i say fat i'm not talking about those vegetable oils mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking real food butter lard full fat meats um you know these kinds of things that are going to raise your hdl uh, mine currently is 79 by the way nice. and my triglycerides are 37 so it's that ratio between those two numbers the triglycerides to hdl ratio that really tells the tale of your heart health you want that number you know 3.0 the ratio or less I would say if you really want to be healthy make it a one-to-one or less ratio my ratio is
0: somewhere around 0.5, five point six okay so if we have if, if our ratio is very low like yours is do we need to go in and get that heart scan you know it, it never
1: hurts especially if you worry and and you probably noticed while reading my book Aaron I kept saying you know what I know this is a lot to take in and we trying to help educate you and, and understand this, but I know you're still worried about your cholesterol and what it's doing to your heart. I mean, I, I realize this. I'm a, I'm a patient too. I'm somebody that has kind of immersed himself in this um, subject, but I still relate to that person out there that might be listening right now that says, you know, it's all well and good, these ratios and these numbers you're talking about, but I'm worried about actual disease happening. So if you're one of those people, yeah, you could trust what I'm saying and trust what my experts in the book are saying but if you really want to see if actual disease is happening, mm-hmm. go and get one of those heart scans. It costs me $99 here in South Carolina. You've got to get your doctor to write you a prescription for it. And make sure he prescribes you the right one. It's the CT heart calcium score. It's about a $100 test. It, if he tries to write you a prescription for one and they want to charge you like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, that's the wrong one. That's the one they shoot dye through your body. And it's highly radioactive. You don't want that one. Okay. Um, so get the right one. And, yeah, then at least you know where you stand. Um, and I would say if your cholesterol, uh, triglyceride HDL HCL ratio is under one, you pretty much are going to have next to nil
0: on your heart scan. Okay. How about, let's talk a little bit about statins. Tell me why, uh, one of the, statist- the statistics that you mentioned in your book was that women who were given statins actually had a higher risk of death. Tell me a little bit more about statins. Yeah. So
1: statins, and, and here's a dirty little secret, nobody, and especially the statin drug companies, will ever tell you. They have have never been tested on women at all, mm. at all. All the tests that have been done on statin drugs have pretty much been on men who have already had some kind of a cardiovascular event happen. And, and that's pretty much it. I'm, and we lay out a lot of the, the dastardly behind the scenes things that go on with statin drugs in Chapter 5 because they have been ma- uh, uh, marketed as a magic pill. I mean, they really have. Everybody mm-hmm. looks at statins as like this great heart healthy thing to do, and yet what they've never stopped to ask Aaron is what are those drugs doing? What are the unintended consequences of taking this drug? And are there ways to mimic the effects of what the drug does without having to take the drug and suffer through all these, you know, really horrific side effects? I can tell you myself, I took both Lipitor and Crestor uh, mm-hmm. long before I started low carb and I got bad joint pain, muscle ache. I remember, you know, playing a pickup game of basketball at my church and going up for a rebound and my thumb went straight backwards. Wow. Yeah, it was a wicked, wicked, uh, I drove myself to the uh, emergency room and the doctor there said, do you take statin drugs? I said, well, yeah, actually I do. He said, you might want to talk to your doctor about doing something else because it looks like you might be having some side effects. Wow. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And so that really opened my eyes that, you know, yes, my cholesterol was lower. I think the lowest my cholesterol got taking those drugs was somewhere around 130, which I now know is not a good thing, even though at the time Man, I'm so heart healthy because I have 130 total cholesterol and I'm eating a low-fat diet. It, aren't I great? Uh-huh. Um, and yet, no, I wasn't great. I was actually putting myself at a greater risk of heart health issues because what that statin drug was doing was eliminating all the protective cholesterol in my body and leaving me with all the atherogenic cholesterol. I was a sitting duck. Thankfully, I was able to find low-carb, high-fat, um, and I don't need those drugs anymore. Okay.
0: Well, Jimmy, tell me a little bit about what you consider heart healthy food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a fun chapter where we talk about, you know, you just mentioned heart healthy at a party to somebody. Hey, what, what's heart healthy? What, you know, what's that look like in the diet? What are they going to say, Aaron? They're going to probably say every single low fat, you know, soy, vegetables, fruits, not not that fruits and vegetables in and of themselves are unhealthy, but mm-hmm. stick with me here. You know, they they think of all these things that they've been told are good for them, and it's usually low fat, high carb. Mm -hmm. And so this whole mantra, that's what heart healthy means. It's time to turn that on its head because we know grains are not heart healthy. We know fat is heart healthy and people are like shocked when you tell them fat. In fact, I I, I just got back from getting some uh, coffee for my wife at Starbucks and I always get heavy whipping cream instead of skim milk or whatever the other people get. (laughs) And I said, I want heavy whipping cream. And they're like, wow, you must not worry about your arteries. I went, oh, you don't want to talk to me. <laughs> about clogging arteries with fat. So I just smile and nod and walk away. <laughs> but it's those kinds of things. You just have to overcome them in people's minds because they've been led to believe for so long, fat's clogging your arteries. So fat actually does some really good things. Like you said, lowers triglycerides, raises HDL. And as we've already talked about, that triglyceride to HDL ratio is gonna tell you more about your heart health than total cholesterol and LDLC ever will. But another thing that fat does is it Lowers the number of small dense LDL particles, and that's a key. You don't want those small dense LDL particles. You want mostly the large fluffy kind because those are not atherogenic. The small dense ones are the ones that are atherogenic that will lead to that inflammation that gives you a heart attack and heart disease. Mm-hmm. So fat is where it's at is where I try to <laughs> tell people, and appropriate amounts of carbs in your diet. And if you do those things, who cares what your total cholesterol is? Mine, by the way, right now is 306. Mm-hmm. And I am not at all worried about 306 total cholesterol or whatever my LD, I don't even remember what my LDL, but it's almost 200. But my HDL is 79. My triglycerides are 37. My CRP, that C-reactive protein, the inflammation marker 0.55 under one is really good. Um, my heart scan score shows I have a zero calcified plaque. Why would anybody be worried about their cholesterol with the context of those numbers?
0: Right, right. Do you think there'll be a time when we see uh, things like a whole grain bagel at- As something that's bad for you to eat instead of the saturated fat?
1: Dude, we are living in the dark days of nutrition, and I can see 25, 30 years from now, you know, we're going to look back and and these, you know, 30 years or so that we've been living in low fat hell. (laughs) I really believe we're going to see them truly as the dark days of nutrition in America, and and really we've exported it around the world at this point. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot to overcome. I don't see, you know, anytime soon healthy, multi-grain bagels going off the shelves as long as people still see those as healthy but there are positive signs happening in the marketplace I mean I don't know if you've noticed there's more and more wheat free type of products of course we have uh, mr. wheatbelly himself uh, dr. William Davis who is one of my experts by the way in the book mm-hmm. you know he, he's really done a great job of uh, exposing people in fact I just dropped off my book to my local uh, newspaper and he started looking at my book and he saw dr. Davis's name uh, he wrote the uh a, a little blurb for the back of the book. He said, oh, you know, the wheat belly guy. I said, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's one of the experts in the book. And he said, oh, I read that book. It scared me half to death a wheat. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is not necessarily scare you half to death of wheat, but at least open your eyes to what are those foods doing right. to your body metabolically? How are they responding? And, you know, it was really cool hearing this guy that he didn't care a bit in the world about health necessarily, but he had been exposed to the message, you know, and, and that's what we hope to do with Cholesterol Clarity We're trying to put out this new paradigm. Look, you've been told low-fat foods. You've been told healthy whole grains. You've been told take a statin. Let's look at a different paradigm, and let's shift that a bit. Hopefully, this book does
0: that. Mm -hmm. Well, Jimmy, uh, we have a few minutes left, and I'd like to hear more about what you call nutritional ketosis and this experiment you've been doing on yourself for the last year and a half or so. What exactly is that, and how has that worked for you? Yeah, so back in May of 2012,
1: I decided to start doing this idea called nutritional ketosis. Now, everybody in the low-carb community has heard of ketosis, and you pee on a stick, and it turns pink, purple, whatever. And I I was doing that, too. I did that for the longest time uh, to see if I was in ketosis. But then I read a book called The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Performance by a couple of low-carb researchers, Dr. Steve Finney and Dr. Jeff Fulick. They're friends of mine. And I, right smack dab in the middle of this book, they talked about measuring ketosis with a blood monitor. And I went, what? You, you, you can measure Blood ketones, and they were like, "Yeah, you 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 do that," and it's actually a much more accurate uh, way to measure for ketone and whether you're in ketosis and what whether you're in what they call nutritional ketosis. I did not coin that term; I'm just using the term that they use in their book. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know what? I I've been peeing on sticks. I've been struggling a little bit with weight and some um, you know health markers. Let's get into nutritional ketosis by testing blood ketones. So I got this blood ketone monitor. It's called Precision Extra from Abbott. The monitor itself is around $15 to $20. You can buy it on Amazon.com, but it's the strips that kick your tail because yeah. they're really, really, really expensive. Um, I went on Amazon. I think the first time I saw it was about $5 or $6 a strip. That's a lot of money, uh, especially since I was doing an experiment where I was going to test it at least once in the morning, once at night, every single day. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I actually found a source. I did a speaking tour in Australia in November, and while I was there, they were like, hey, Mike, you want some of these strips? And I'm I'm like, um, sure. How much are they here? <laughs> oh, they're only 70 cents, Mike. And I went, 70 cents? Uh, stock me up. So I've got mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them and I, I'm still testing even now. But the official experiment lasted from May 2012 to May 2013. And I wanted to see blood ketones, blood sugar, and weight. And the only reason I measured weight was people kind of like to see that as a marker. I didn't think it was very important because I was focusing on how I felt and some of the health markers and that kind of thing. But it turned out to be a pretty good marker because I did end up losing 78 pounds in that one year uh, doing this. Thank you. So The goal is eating your carbohydrate tolerance level. So I said earlier, I eat around 30 grams of carbs. I know that's my carb tolerance level. I've been low carb for years. That was a no-brainer. But the new wrinkle in all of this is moderation of protein. And I had really never stopped to think moderating protein as a key aspect of getting into ketosis. And that made really, Aaron, all the difference in the world for me, was simultaneously dropping the amount of protein I was eating because I would eat a chicken breast from time to time. It's low carb. Mm-hmm. And yet it was giving me way too much protein. And you might be wondering, why is protein in excess a problem? Well, the problem is your body doesn't know what to do with excess amounts of protein. So it turns it through the liver into more glucose in the body. So if you're already carbohydrate sensitive, so you eat carbs and it raises your blood sugar and, and you have issues going on. Well, it stands to reason that you're also protein sensitive. So you have to moderate down the protein to the threshold, that's right for you. And I, I tinkered with that for a few weeks before I landed somewhere between 80 to 100 grams of protein a day. And so, low carb, moderated protein, and the last element was high fat. So, when I say fat, obviously it's all those fats we were just talking about with heart healthy and really, you know, lots of fat. So, when I did this experiment, Aaron, I started talking about eating 85% fat diet, and people's eyes just bugged out when I started talking about this. And how do you do that? And, you know, I was pouring on fat and literally everything. Uh-huh. But it made the difference. <clears throat> the blood ketones went up, the blood sugar precipitously dropped. Um, in fact, this morning I just measured it and it was 80. Wow. I mean, that, and without any supplementation, without any really anything. And my blood ketones this morning were 1.6. Okay. So what you're looking for to be in you know, nutritional ketosis by definition is between 0.5 millimolar on that machine I was telling you about to 3.0 millimolar. So 1.6 is like, right smack dab in the middle Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when you get that that level of ketones going on in your body there are so many therapeutic effects that we we would literally be here all day aaron if i if i talked about them all but hunger control mental clarity um you know just on and on and on we're going to talk about this in my next book uh keto clarity i just signed the contract this summer to write that
0: book it's coming out next summer okay and you know uh the authors of that book they they really mentioned that following this higher fat diet is really anti-inflammatory Yep. also a lot of people report mental clarity. Um, have you noticed any of that? Any of those oh my other gosh.
1: benefits? Oh, yeah. And and the really cool thing that I think shocked me the most beyond the mental clarity, I kind of expected that. Although, you know, they say ketosis makes you smarter. You really do feel smarter because your brain is just like firing on all cylinders. And it, it's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I experienced those things. I experienced better sleep. I experienced skin tags starting to shrivel up and go away. Oh, yeah, mm. that <laughs> happened. Um, and the thing that's surprised me, though. This is what I was going to tell you the most was I was able to eat 12 percent protein, go to the gym every three days with a very minimalist workout Mm -hmm. routine. Lift weights for about 20 minutes every three days over a two-month period. Aaron, I lost 16 pounds of fat in those, in those two months, but I put on six pounds of muscle. Wow. So not only did I eat a lower protein diet, not only did I get into a state of ketosis, which I've heard is muscle wasting, not only did I, you know, uh, do just a very minimalist type of lifting routine, but I gained muscle. How the heck did that happen? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet that's the power of ketosis. Ketosis. Now, I'm not saying if you're trying to be a, you know, professional bodybuilder, you should go into ketosis and that that's the optimal way. I'm just telling you what happened to me. Right. Um, but as far as endurance athletes, and and that's kind of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, endurance athletes could really stand to benefit from being in a state of ketosis. I mean, I don't know what your experience is. Um, you know, do, do you measure your
0: ketones and see yep. if that helps you with your um, performance? Well, you know, um, I tr- I did a six week experiment in ketosis, and I got my, my- my uh, ketones in my blood. I measured those. And um, I, I got them to the levels that Voloch and Finney recommended. But one thing I noticed was um, I was experiencing some muscle cramps. And yeah. um, as soon as I added a little bit of carbs back in, those muscle cramps went away. But I, yeah. then I was pushed out of ketosis. right? So I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with that or if you need to be in ketosis to experience all the benefits. What's your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be an individual basis. Um, I, I know uh, a very famous runner, uh, marathon runner, Ultra, marathon runner, I should say, uh, Tim Olson, he was on my Live in La low carb show. And he talked about being pretty much in ketosis the whole time leading up to a race and then race day, you know, having very, very minimal carbs, but right. obviously some. And there's another guy um, as of the recording of this uh, coming up this weekend, Ben Greenfield is going to be doing a the Canada Ironman, So he's doing the Ironman competition and he's been in a total ketotic state. I was just with him last week at the Ancestral Health Symposium and he he was like avoiding all the peaches and all these other (laughs) things that we were having in the meals because he was trying to keep his ketone levels up and be fully keto adapted. He's been doing it for about three months now so that when he race day comes, he wants to see how well he does. Uh, And I think what he was telling me was normally he has 400 calories worth of like a pure, uh, you know, gel goo type of thing. To fuel him during a, you know, his race. This time he's trying to keep it very minimalist and keeping it to like 100 Mm. calorie, and see how he does to kind of keep the ketones fueling him, Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't want to make that switch from sugar burner to fat burner, uh, or or fat burner to sugar burner, and then you know you're really trying to see if the ketones can sustain you. Because one thing Bullock and Finney talk about is when you're a sugar burner, you only have about 2,000 calories worth of energy to expend, but once you become a fat burner, keto adapted, then you have over 40,000 calories at your disposal in your body fat stores. Even on a lean person, mm. 40,000 plus calories. That's going to sustain you through an
0: endurance athletics. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because we've been talking about this word ketosis. And I think some people who are new to the podcast might not know quite what that is. But basically, your body starts burning fat as your primary source of fuel to fill right. your brain and to fill your your heart muscle and your even your skeletal muscle. And you, you even a lean person has so much uh, uh, fat available that they can use that for an endurance a- uh, activity like a marathon. Right. So you don't have to. And, and for me, one of the reasons I wanted to try it is because when I'm taking... In all those goos and all the gels, it just tends to upset my stomach during a marathon. And I yeah. thought, what a great way to, to try to increase my fat burning. Well, it's
1: the secret of athletics, I think, and the future of it is this whole concept of ketosis. I really think there's some professional athletes right now that are using it and they're just not telling anybody. I can tell you <laughs> uh, one that is very prominent is um, Kobe Bryant with the LA Lakers. Um, he got put on a high fat, uh, moderated protein, low lowish carb diet, a little more high carb than I. Obviously, I would, but lower than the standard American diet carbs. And uh, a, a doctor named Dr. Kate Shanahan actually put him on that. She's one of the consultants for the Lakers. And I don't know if you watched his season last season before he blew out his ankle but or knee or whatever happened to him. But he was having the uh, like a career year. Mm-hmm. It was a huge year for him. And he's in his upper 30s when most NBA players tend to see a decline in their performance. And yet here he is excelling. Um, I'm not going to say it's all the high-fat, low-carb diet, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of shows you the power of nutrition. It can reverse uh, aging, uh, give you back your legs, so to speak, uh, using the basketball terms. Um, you know, when you might see a guy lose a step or two.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy, your book comes out next week. Is it next Tuesday? It's Tuesday, August twenty seventh. That's right. Okay, um, everyone, go check out his book. You can pre-order pre-order it on Amazon. It's Cholesterol Clarity: What the HDL Is Wrong with My Numbers. Jimmy, where should people go to find out more about you?
1: Yeah. So. Um, my hub for all of my websites is liveinlevitalowcarb.com or you can just Google Jimmy Moore. I'm, I'm very fortunate all of the first page of Jimmy Moore is all my stuff so it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, and then the, for the book we have a, a book website where you can listen to other interviews. You can get a sample chapter of the book. Um, see everywhere that you can get it. That's at cholesterolclarity.com.
0: Okay. All right, Jimmy. Well, it's been great speaking with you today. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Aaron. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.